Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. Uh, and uh, this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. Uh, and on this episode, we have horror writer Ryan Bradford. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks. So, uh, you guys do great great work. Oh, thank I, you. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and of course we've... And, and of course, we've got two Ryan B's on the same podcast, so uh, I, th- I think we've decided to helpfully designate you Ryan 1 and me Ryan 2. Whoa. Uh, the 1 status. Thank you. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry to put so much pressure on you. I, I like to have a sort of Dr. Seuss feel to, to my hierarchy system. Well, well we I'm, could also I'm call sweating you, right now. Uh, sure. you know, national polemicist Ryan Bradford for your recent article claiming that jean shorts are the only shorts appropriate for men to wear. I, uh, it's a stance that I'll stand by till the day I die. Mm-hmm. Um, no cargoes in this house. <laughs> so This is a non-cargo household. Right. <laughs> so, Mr. Bradford, yeah. you wrote a book called Donald Trump is a Loser. Tell me what it's like for you on Twitter these days. Uh, it's, it's pretty mild, I would say. Um, just everything. I, I feel like everything is uh, has taken the backseat for, you know, the day-to-day that Donald Trump does. And so, even like something like the, uh, the Oscar fiasco, people forgot about that. Um, like two days after, so nobody's going to remember a Donald Trump book that came out when he was president-elect. Man, I, I think there, there is at least the mercy of that, that everything, um, everybody's got such a, a like low attention span for everything that w- within days, everybody forgets about everything. Right. So we always like to start by asking our guests how they got into horror. Uh, what's your background? What kind of got you hooked? What uh, set you down this lowly path? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's a question I've thought of a, a lot, and there's like not a clear answer. But I do. So I was raised Mormon until I was about 12 years old, and then my family um, left the church. And you know, Mormons can't watch rated R movies, um, which uh, conflicted with my I guess, like, compulsion, revulsion sort of uh, attitude towards spooky and scary stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, as a family, we we watched uh, X-Files, like, every week. And so that was kind of, like, bred into my my marrow and my blood. And, um, mm-hmm. and then I was started sneaking, like, kids are sneaking booze at that age. I was sneaking horror movies with my friends. I think I watched Demon Knight for the first time, like this, the first rated R movie I ever saw. Oh, uh, man. My mom, and, <laughs> my mom and dad are listening. I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Billy's, yeah, but Billy Zane led you from the path of righteousness. It was, yeah, and it was great. Like, there was like nudity, there was blood, and there was a... And it's not like an altogether scary movie. It also had that amazing song, Filter, uh, the oh, yeah. Amen Nice Shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, that sold me forever. Um, you know, and then it just kind of like after we left the church, I started watching movies on the rig and, uh, my friends worked at, uh, theaters the entire time. And I worked at a blockbuster in this glorious summer between high school and college. And all my friends had already left. And so I spent months just in my basement watching horror movies. So Bradford, did you have the dream when you started working at a video rental store that like you were gonna convert people? Like you'd spend your entire like shift saying like, "Here's eight and a half by Fellini. Take this home." Or like you know, <laughs> here what you really need to rent is this movie. Or uh, were you more realistic? I think I might have gone in a little naive and thinking I could change people's lives with amazing movies. But at the time, that was the the late summer that Big Mama's House came out on video and everybody <laughs> just wanted to watch Big Mama's House and like after a while that kind of wore down my soul and I stopped trying to convince people. So There was no when, saving them. When my wife and I started dating she was managing a blockbuster so I would go hang out uh, at the blockbuster uh, on her shifts and I would literally just lean on the counter and I thought that I could persuade people differently so you know i took a shift and just like took i tried to hand people um uh, shadow in the dark 
Dark, that uh, Lion movie with Val Kilmer. Uh, or the, that's oh, Ghost uh, in the Darkness. The, oh, the Ghost, Ghost, the Ghost in the Darkness, yeah. Right. So, like, I spent a whole shift trying to talk people into renting that movie because it's a really good movie. And, like... It's a great movie. Bless my wife's heart. She's like, you gotta leave. You can't eat your chicken nuggets in here <laughs> and try to get people to watch this Val Kilmer movie anymore. Please go. <laughs> Honey, this weird kid was trying to get me to watch a lion movie. <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't, I don't know. He was just really into Val Kilmer. <laughs> no, but like that movie. Oh my god! I, I, I don't know if that movie can be on this list ever, but it's a really good one. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, in, in 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 fairness, I I feel like um, many of the movies on this list are sort of like, eh, does that count as horror? And that becomes more of a conversation than just an instant sort of, yeah, of course it's horror. So speaking of which, we're going to talk about David Lynch, who we could understandably say doesn't belong on this list. But I feel like also everything he does does belong on this list, too. I think so, and I think it's because so much of what David Lynch does is about being horrifying. Like, especially, I mean, like Twin Peaks, um, because I've been, you know, watching the, the revival of it, and I think a lot of people who have been also watching the revival have been like sort of, you know, oh, this is this is nothing like the original series. It, it's so jarring and uncomfortable and weird. And it's like, but that's always been Twin Peaks. Like, th- this this has always been a jarring, horrifying show. We have always lived in the castle. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I've always been here. Yeah, I and, and especially like, you know, Mulholland Drive has an honest-to-God jump scare. Yeah. Right, yeah, no, I was, I so was I think thinking that's probably the only jump scare... In David Lynch's repertoire, yeah, I think so too. Actually, that's the rest of them are sort of a creeping terror, and this one is just very like blah, and a guy jumps out. But the thing is, like he sets it up so he tells you exactly what's going to happen, and then does it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which I think is fascinating and kind of like this amazing way that Lynch works on this kind of uncanny level. Where I think absolutely, like at least mo- a lot of his movies belong on this list. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think Blue Velvet especially kind of belongs on this li- on this list for me because literally Frank Booth is the boogeyman. Like yeah. he he's basically a horror monster. Blue Velvet is good as shit. We're gonna have to revisit that one later for this list. So oh yeah, did any of you spend this week going down the what if path of uh, Mulholland Drive being a TV show instead of a movie? Since um, Lynch mm-hmm. did record a pilot and then say. No, this needs to be in a, a two and a half hour movie, not a, a twelve episode or twenty four episode series. Uh, was that the, was that the case? Was it uh, Lynch who made the decision, or was it kind of like a studio saw his pilot and they're like, mm, "We're not gonna." You know, I read on that. Wikipedia that he decided to make it into a movie. So, like, you know, I would imagine because it wasn't too far after other stuff that he could have gotten it made especially you know now like if he showed back up and said hey i'm actually gonna do mulholland drive as a tv show i think we would all be like wigging out and being really excited for it oh 100 but also if he'd made it as a tv show we would never have gotten billy ray cyrus claiming that david lynch is the devil and he destroyed his family <laughs> um yeah holy shit so yeah, you know, I, I, I wonder what could have been, you know, if they'd made a show and the devil had not destroyed the family of Billy Ray Cyrus. So could we say that Miley Cyrus is the product of David Lynch, maybe, perhaps? I mean, <laughs> I mean she's, she's kind of Lynchian. Lynchian, yeah, definitely. <laughs> One thing I know oh about God. Miley, she's very Lynchian. <laughs> At parties, I'm just going to open with that. I think Miley Cyrus is very Lynchian. Disgusting. <laughs> I feel like Lynchian is uh, just like the word Kafka-esque. You have to be really careful. Not Kafka-esque, to use yeah. Use it incorrectly. Oh, from home movies. Too much. Or, oh wait, no, not home movies. What was that MTV show with the joke about Kafka-esque? Oh, you're talking about Mission Hill, the best uh, animated television Mission show Hill. ever made. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. Yeah, um, internet. And at like me. Billy Ray Cyrus is the. <laughs> If there's one hill I will die on on Twitter, it's talking about Mission Hill. So, uh, yeah, oh, that's a good hill. Yeah, it's a good hill. I think it minus one tree, one tree a hill. <laughs> <laughs> or the hills have eyes, maybe. Twin Peaks takes way too long to climb. 
So <laughs> you're gonna want to die. Gotta do both you're gonna of them. It that. <laughs> it's really not the peaks yeah, you've that are hard. It's the valley in between. Right. That's that's mm, that's the what Lynchian gets you. uncanny valley. <laughs> it's 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 very Lynchian trying to navigate those two peaks. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, so, like, Billy Ray Cyrus in Mulholland Drive is so great. Like, I think he was perfectly cast as this, like, sort of cabana boy, uh, yuck, like, uh, chucklehead who's uh, sleeping with the wife of the, the film director. Yeah, for sure. He's... Because he's, he's being so reasonable after the guy walks in on him bawling his wife, because he's just like, <laughs> hey, man, that was uncalled for. What are you, what are you doing? What? No, buddy, come on, calm down. Which, um, I love that this is David Lynch's imagination of how this scenario would play out if somebody walked in on somebody else, like, cheating on them. Is it okay that I love this movie so much, and I've never yes. watched it from yeah. start to finish? Really? You haven't? Uh, no, but, like, um, I really like it, even though I've never watched it, you know, of the full two and a half hours. Like, so honestly, what's the point I at which think... you drop off? Um, I say what? The point which oh, I what's drop the point at which you uh, usually, drop off? Yeah. Um, I usually stop after Naomi Watts meets the uh, meets um, what's his name Hesher <laughs> uh, Kesher when she meets Adam Kesher and like gets the role. That's usually when I drop off, and I just I rewatch oh, how- the cowboy scene on YouTube like every six months. Yeah, that's a great scene. There's plenty of great scenes. I think, you know, gun to my head, I would say that this is probably one of the best movies of the last century. Uh, well, at least in, since uh, 2000, you know, in the oh, last yeah. 17 years. Yeah, it's yeah, really there's kind of nothing. Really there's kind of nothing like it. So, like, and, 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 and even for David Lynch, I feel like he... And, and, and here's the thing. I'm a huge Lynch fanboy, but occasionally his idiosyncrasies become so much like a movie we're going to talk about later um, that it's it's kind of like, for God's sake, David, would you tell a goddamn story? And yeah. on Mulholland Drive, I feel like this is him actually sort of going like, okay, I'm going to get all of my weird David Lynch uh, stuff in, but I'm actually going to tell you a story, and it's, it's actually going to be able to, you'll be able to follow it. Yeah. Well, maybe we should talk about those idiosyncr- idiosyncrasies so we can kind of have this key to understand, you know, maybe Inland Empire and Eraserhead and see, like, uh, because, yeah, I, I agree, um, but those don't bother me as much as I think a lot of people do. Like, I know there's Lynch fans and non-Lynch fans, and the pe- non-Lynch fans, uh, it's just, you know, the surrealism and the non-narrative mm-hmm. uh, bugs them a shit ton, and... I feel that, you know, especially with Lynch, you know, people are asking, like, oh, what just happened? What did I just watch? And I think, like, the what, the reason that I love him is because, like, he doesn't know it either. But there's, like, this confidence right. in his work that I think, like, other surrealists don't possess. And there's this trust of watching his stuff that you know he's not doing things for the sake of being weird. Yeah, like, it's coming from a very sincere place that he's so into the subconscious and into... I mean, like, for God's sake, uh, with I, I, I think about the fact that with Twin Peaks, uh, when the fact that Frank Silva plays Bob, and mm-hmm. David Lynch got the idea for that entirely because Frank Silva was in the shot accidentally during a scene, and he really liked the way Frank Silva looked and just decided kind of on the spot, like, you know, he asked him if he had any acting experience, and Frank was like, yeah. And so he's like, oh, okay, you're going to be, like, the big bad of this show. And right. so much of what he does is intuitive, and he just kind of trusts himself. And especially when you, you know, ask him about any of his movies, and you ask him to explain it, he's not going to oblige you, because, you know, to him it's like, well, the movie is the thing. Just watch that, and then you've you've watched the movie. You don't need me to explain it to you. Right. Yeah, and people are very quick to jump onto the, um, it, it was all a dream, which I think, you know, in the case of Mulholland Drive, there is a lot of explicit dream sequences but mm-hmm. i think focusing on that is negating kind of the the whole point of the thing and it's like saying oh wizard of oz which you know i know lynch uses a lot of inspiration from classic movies and sitcoms mm-hmm. and everything and so i think probably wizard of oz was a huge influence on this movie but just to say that that entire thing was a dream yeah and and also i, I think now in terms of idiosyncrasies and like weird peccadillos 
I think one of the other big things for me is um, because again, years and years ago, I uh, my my buddy William had never seen Twin Peaks, and he's an actor, and um, and I'm watching the pilot with him, and about 15 minutes in, he's he's been knitting his brow and sort of scowling for the first 15 minutes, so I'm worried that he hates mm-hmm. it, and then he just shouts, "Why are they talking like that?" <laughs> and I realized, like, yeah, that's got to be kind of weird if you're if you've never really watched David Lynch before, that. One of his weird idiosyncrasies is that the way people talk is almost kind of like a child's imagination of how adults talk. That, yeah, no, I was you know, thinking... It's, it's yeah. very... Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was thinking that it's kind of like... Um, it's like classic sitcom uh, banter, but like put through a Google translator. There's just something that's like a little <laughs> bit off about it. Yeah, that's that's a great description. I really like how the only other director I can think of that does dialogue that's that bizarre is Dario Argento. Like, I think a David Lynch movie can only be compared with a David Lynch movie. An Argento movie can really only fairly be compared to an Argento movie. Because they're both batshit Mm -hmm. bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, right. and especially with David Lynch, I mean, in, in, in Mulholland Drive, the thing is, the conversation in Mulholland Drive, I think, is sort of more lucid, for lack of a better word, than a lot of his movies, because I think the dialogue in a thing like um, Blue Velvet or Inland Empire, I think that's way more out there than Mulholland Drive, where Mulholland Drive is much more concerned about kind of, yeah, I mean, there is a cowboy, a spectral cowboy who hangs out, and he talks weird, but it... I. The thing is with David Lynch, I never ever get the sense that he's self-consciously sitting down to do a scene and going, all right, I'm going to be really weird and say some crazy bullshit. Like he's, this is how he does a movie. This is, these are the words that make sense to him in that order for a character to say. Yeah, no, there was, there was a bit of a, I love, um, first of all, can we all agree that Naomi Watts is amazing in this movie? Yeah. It's like. Also, I hadn't thought about this before, but she's a scream queen. Yeah, definitely. Because she's in like she's in the ring. She's in Funny Games. She's she's also in. I'm just trying to pull up Wikipedia now. I don't know. She's in way more horror movies than you would think a prestigious actor like Naomi Watts would be in. Yeah. No. I uh, when I was watching the movie, I was kind of just. Uh, writing down notes and dialogue of things that interested me, and like the uh, Naomi Watts' intro oh, yeah. in this movie is amazing, and uh, it's typical like super Lynchian dialogue where everybody's just saying the names of the people that they love, and so it's like she's walking with these two old people who you presumably or she had ridden on the plane to L.A. with, and she's like, uh, "Well, it's so nice to say goodbye, Betty. It's so nice traveling with you." And then the old lady is like, "Thank you, Irene." Oh, wait, no, I'm getting all these confused. Um, the old lady says the Betty part, and then Naomi Watts says, Thank you, Irene. I was so nervous, excited and nervous. It was great to ha- have you to talk to. And so it's just like, um, just very stilted and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, very off-putting <clears throat> from the and get-go. And also, I mean, David Lynch, I feel like, normally is very preoccupied with kind of... Did you know that Naomi Watts played her own character in the King Kong video game. I did not know that. That's incredible. Yeah, she oh. voiced her own video game character. Uh, she's also one of the rabbits in Inland Empire. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is she the voice or was she actually in the rabbit suit? I don't think she's actually. I think those are stop motion rabbits, maybe. <laughs> they look animated. Which is a fun thing to do, to go, is that stop motion? And then not actually know for sure. All right, so where do we want to put um, Mulholland Drive on the list? Pretty high. Pretty high. So, yeah, that's the thing. I I don't know if I would put it above Eraserhead. I'm thinking top 20 territory. If I had to, if I had to pick. I, all right, so here, I, I think the closest thing that I would liken it to in terms of dream logic and weird surrealist stuff is it better than Phantasm? Uh, yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, what about what about Funny Games, which is another Naomi Watts vehicle? It is. Is her performance in Mulholland Drive better than it is in Funny Games? I think it's better than Funny Games. I would agree. Um, I think it has more to say. So now I think we're 
left with who's the better auteur, Lynch or Argento, in terms of like weirdo infant terribles. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. well, I think uh, David Lynch is still going strong, and Argento has kind of fallen off the wayside. Yeah, this is like picking a favorite. This is like picking a favorite dad. So, what do you think, Ryan? One and two is. Um, I think we really need to teach Argento a lesson and uh, put <laughs> just be better Argento and put David Lynch yep. <laughs> ahead of him. Yeah, <laughs> do more. But certainly, um, Mohan Drive isn't as good as Scream, is it? Now, see, there I would put it below Scream, but above Suspiria. I feel like that's yeah, a good spot for totally. it. Because at, at the very least, I think as a horror movie, it influenced movies in a way that Mulholland Drive maybe didn't. Because I, I, don't, I don't think Mulholland Drive was interested in setting trends or, or um, sort of influencing anything. And not that Scream set out to do that. I mean, it was a bit of a crapshoot on whether that was actually going to get over the way that it did. But I think that you can feel the cultural footprint of Scream on horror way more than you'd be able to see from right. Mulholland Drive. Yeah, and, and I think there's no denying that Scream has had a footprint. And Mulholland Drive is still kind of like a hidden gem on Netflix, you could argue. Like, I think you could read a clickbait article tomorrow that says, like, the top five teen, teen movies on Netflix that you didn't <laughs> the, know were on Netflix. The top ten, yes. Yeah. Right. I dream that someday someone pillages this list for a clickbait article and we get all the... You guys don't have click money yet? Man, it's great. It's going to happen. I'm just banking on click money. I hope that's... <laughs> so it's, yeah, we got to get some click money. So I'm allowed to believe. It's, you're, you know, you get a good podcast. No, I just, I, I just write shitty articles. No, they're great. Uh, but they're great. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so coming in at number nine is Mulholland Drive. Yeah. That's a pretty nice. good showing for David Lynch. Oh yeah, <clears throat> which and now I think so, the oddball on this list that, that that's going to be the most difficult to rank is going to be Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. See, like I love Eraserhead. Oh, I adore. And let me tell you why. Uh, so I am a father, mm-hmm. and Eraserhead is a perfect depiction of new parental anxiety because you have this doofus who is you know just your blue collar worker working in the the pencil factory i guess it's not (laughs) actually him that's working there he's the one who's actually becoming the erasers but anyway you have this dorky dude who meets with this woman and they have a baby before they're really both emotionally mature enough to have it they take this horrifying thing home and i think that the baby an eraser head perfectly encapsulates the the body horror of a newborn and i mean mm-hmm. it literally you know the baby won't stop crying so he cuts the bandages and then it starts gushing blood and i cannot tell you how many times i have had to change like a blowout poopy diaper or like something bad has happened and i've made the wrong judgment and snap judgment now granted mm-hmm. i've not mortally wounded my child like <laughs> you know eraser head does um, but still, like, it feels like that so many times. I can't stop thinking of a gif on Tumblr one time that was someone who pixelated that baby and turned it into a text-based adventure game, and it says, <laughs> your baby won't stop crying, and the, the type command is cut bandages. Oh, man, I gotta go check that out. <laughs> but yeah, and, and, you know, on sleepless nights with toddlers, it really does seem logical for a woman to come out of the radiator and sing that everything's gonna be okay. Right. And then meanwhile, you've got, you know, a girl from across the way that, you know, sort of like, oh, great. I'm in a, you know, he's like in this weird marriage that I th- honestly, the the most disturbing part of this entire movie for me is his Ooh. mother-in-law yeah. liking him. <laughs> that that makes me squirm. That's the least. I mean, in a movie full of stuff that makes me squirm, that's way up there. And actually, my I think one of the one of the funniest experiences I've ever had. Uh, watching a movie was um, the first time I saw Eraserhead. It, it was on, oddly enough, uh, it was streaming on IMDb. Like you could just stream the movie directly on the page on IMDb. Um, and the problem with that is uh, I, I didn't have ad block yet. So occasionally, like every 15 minutes or so, you would get an ad on Eraserhead. And 
Wait, Quincy, have I told you this this story before? No, you haven't. This is new to me. And oh, very good. Excited because that seems like a very Lynchian experience. Well, so the movie the movie progresses and uh, it gets to the scene where it's Henry and Mary lying in bed, both staring at the ceiling while the the baby creature is squalling and screaming and and squirting and um, it's both of them miserable lying in bed and then it cuts to an ad in the middle of that scene to an ad for christianmingle.com <laughs> and it's just like and it's like find your soul mate and it's just this guy and this girl frolicking happily through a field while like a guitar is being plucked softly in the background and everything is great and then it goes immediately back to henry and mary in bed miserable oh my god i bet i bet lynch would have um, uh, that's how he wanted the, his film to be seen <laughs> yeah you know that he'd be behind that like yeah that's that's uh, hilarious that's um but i eraserhead is so great and i i feel like a lot of people down it for being like oh it's you know because i remember uh there was that interview where they were like you know where david lynch said you know eraserhead is my most spiritual film and they were like care to elaborate and he's like no and that's it he's not <laughs> he's not describing this this movie but it does get hurt by the fact that it's weird as fuck yeah, and it's not arbitrarily weird. Like it's it's weird in ways that make total sense once you get into the movie. Right. Yeah. No, there were so many parts that I had forgotten about this movie, especially the the man with the boils on his face who's uh, controlling things in this kind of Deus Ex Machina way, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess kind of concepting this baby in the beginning. Um, and I totally forgot about the entire racer factory scene. That was very mind blowing. Oh yeah, I yeah. that it's, that it's and the scene good. where they're at dinner and he's cutting open a miniature chicken and it just starts gushing blood. Oh my god, Ugh. that scene gave me total like Texas Chainsaw vibes. Oh yeah, you know, the Goul- dinner scene, the ghoulish dinner especially, scene. Especially yeah, yeah, especially when they're kind of puppeting this old lady mom into tossing this salad. It's just like, oh man, is she alive or dead? Oh yeah, that's basically Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus, yeah, that's that's a really good point. I didn't, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, yeah, but Quincy, I was, uh, I was thinking about you because I kind of, you know, based on your Instagram, I know that you're, you know, a relatively new father, and I was very interested in kind of that new fatherhood uh, experience. I was also curious: Have you ever had a moment where you've pulled sperm worms out of your partner? And threw him against the wall, like in a very <laughs> slow motion. Like, what part of new parenting? What what does that symbolize? Um, I mean, also, I think that's another part of like. I, I know this is a goof, but I'm going to take it. Uh, I'm going to play it okay. serious. But no, like, also the conception process, like intentional conception, is also like a fucking bummer. Um, you know, I know a lot of people out there who are, have had trouble conceiving, and not to speak too insensitive, but like it uh, takes. It, let me put it this way: uh, my grandma at a party one time was talking about how they desperately wanted my father. She and my uh, grandfather tried and tried and tried, and it was so miserable. And someone said, "Well, at least you had fun trying." <laughs> And, you know, she kind of was like, well, not really. So there is kind of a part where, you know, this child is supposed to be this salvage for their weird relationship. And it's kind of like more obligation than recreation. Right. Uh, and that got way heavier than, than I intended for a comedy horror podcast. <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, that's fine. I do think I think it's interesting that Henry or Eraserhead does isn't even aware of the baby until it's after after it's born, which I think is incredibly nightmarish and effective. No, that's pretty realistic. Like um, it, when my son was born, like that's when it kind of really clicked for like, me. It's like, oh, here he is, and now I'm going into action to take care of him because, like, you know, there's always that like we're pregnant no dude your partner's pregnant you barely you know you don't really do a whole lot of contributing (laughs) right uh so it's like but no like a a father's role kind of kicks in after you know 
the the baby's already there so it does kind of play with that too you know i mean do you guys ever watch um his daughter's films uh i can't find a copy of boxing Hell. i haven't, I haven't uh, seen any of her i films. really want to see it no i haven't either oh wait no i, I think she did a, a movie called surveillance right with bill pullman yeah she did surveillance that's um jennifer lynch mm. but i wonder how uh jennifer lynch's age uh syncs up with the filming of eraser head because i wonder if that you know there's a um correlation that, that's got to be weird to be or if i'm david lynch's doing way too much conjecture it's got to be weird to be david lynch's kid and then watch eraser head you're kind of like is that how you <laughs> saw me as an infant right yeah no i think it's, yeah. i think at the time she was born um what i've kind of heard is this movie is based on a lot of experiences he had maybe i think in philadelphia yeah philadelphia. Uh, living in industrial like a bad neighborhood in, in philadelphia and just kind of like living in terror uh, that was all, but also like that was artistically stimulating for him, and so, um, yeah, definitely. I think that his daughter probably correlates a lot with this movie. Well, and and this was. Did you dudes know that Jennifer Lynch directed four episodes of Teen Wolf? What? The uh, MTV I watched show? the first two. Se- yeah, I watched the first two seasons of Teen yeah, Wolf. Yeah, the MTV no Teen idea. Wolf. Uh, three in twenty fourteen and one in twenty sixteen. Well, fucking down. Bring back Which, the bring yeah. back the big guns for 2016. <laughs> no. Right, they're they're like we got to punch this script up. Uh, Jennifer, please come back. Yeah. Hollywood's uh, unsung script puncher upper Jennifer Lynch. Uh, dude, she's done five episodes of fucking Quantico. Who who's Damn. out here watching Quantico? Because apparently it's got a wide viewership, and I I struggle to picture what the demographic for Quantico is. I cannot tell you anything about Quantico. I don't know what it would even mean. Yeah. I, I'm it's like Bosch. Ass. I tried watching that show Bosch. Uh, I, I don't understand who this show is for, but apparently people are watching it. So who is Eraserhead for? David Lynch. That's it. Um, David Lynch and only David yeah. Lynch. <laughs> David Lynch yeah, and dads. And the dead Kennedys. <laughs> also the dead Kennedys, yeah. Man. Which uh, has a heavy tie to uh, the Bye Bye Man, which we'll discuss later. Oh, yeah. You know, everything's oh, connected. <laughs> Maybe we'll run out of time. <laughs> talk about no, Quincy, we have to do this as a... Keep talking about it. We, have to, talk about, we have to talk about the Bye Bye Man like a family. We have to, we have to work through this. We, we have to process this experience. Right. <laughs> Don't run away from your problems, Quincy. <laughs> Don't shut me out. We've got to talk about the Bye Bye Man. Um... But yeah, no. Uh, oh, I was and... also. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was also super impressed with uh, Jack Nance in this movie, and I actually oh, didn't yeah. realize that it was the same dude that was in Twin Peaks until I don't know this this viewing, and I was like, man, Jack Nance has this incredibly expressive face. I actually kind of don't like him in Twin Peaks. Um, I think, I think it's just the mustache that makes you not recognize him as Pete Martell. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I think it's like. A testament to David Lynch, or maybe the actors that he works with, is that he's co- that he's able to uh, just like coax these great performances out of these actors, even yeah, if like yeah. the movies don't make sense or anything. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think yeah, um, but man, the it, actor who played the log lady on Twin Peaks had a part in Eraserhead, right? Oh, did she? I think she did. I think she's sort of in the mix somewhere here. Um. And there was something to do with, like, apparently they had an in-joke about a log because of, you know, if anybody's got an in-joke with David Lynch about anything, it's probably about, like, a log or something. And that was actually the impetus for, hey, do you want to be on Twin Peaks? And your thing is that you're the log lady. <laughs> it's, a, it's a part you can't refuse. It's true. Y'all, I love David Lynch. <laughs> like, why is the popularity of Eraserhead declining, according to... Um imdb it says it's down 65 points that's a fucking crime that's such a bummer like this is such a great babby's first art house film yeah because it's it's like basically uh anytime you watch um 
Kirk's movies in Gilmore Girls, like those bad student films, they're just eraser yeah. head homages. Yeah. Like it's a it's a highbrow joke and an otherwise lowbrow show. Well, and it's also you know David Lynch spent how many years making Eraserhead? Because I mean, again, he was in Philadelphia, he was miserable, and he had to keep like waiting until he had enough money to keep filming it. Like this was such a fucking endeavor for him, and and it was it clearly meant so much to him that I feel like he couldn't be, you know, capital D, capital L, David Lynch until he made this. Like, mm-hmm. this this was a crucial, crucial movie for him. Right, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe uh, he kind of uh, built this, uh, he, he built the template, I guess, and then it just kind of became easy to fall into this experimental um, surrealism, black and white, art house fuck movies mm-hmm. that is they're just like a dime a dozen parodies, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of like I think your film school starter kit is uh like bleached um bleed jeans and like an eraser head t shirt <laughs> and like a dad hat. Um, I'm wearing that right now. Oh yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> And the call gets off. Oh my god! Also, so is Eraserhead better than Mulholland Drive? Uh, I mean, it's sort of like comparing a vacuum cleaner to a microwave. Like, they—they're both fundamentally doing different things. Yeah, but I feel like there's something about Mulholland Drive being the crossover hit. Like, I think that that the normies can watch that movie, and Eraserhead is like a like a further reading. Mm-hmm. I feel that Eraserhead is maybe a little more influential than Mulholland Drive, at least, you know, on a horror movie list. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, especially yeah. because, especially in terms of, like, body horror and really, really pushing the envelope. And the fact, like, to me, um, the mystery of the baby and how the fuck they got that effect. Because, like, alternately, when asked about how he made oh, yeah. the weird mutant baby happen, he would say bullshit like, it was born nearby, or maybe it was found. And he you know so much of this movie like it's got it's got i hate to use the word but it's got mystique does erase her head like there's yeah. some kind of weird alchemy going on in this movie so other movies on our list with beautiful weird alchemy uh ghost watch mm. yeah i think this is better than ghost watch really i i would agree i mean actually um i might put it above baba duke but that's just me. Well, there we go. Well, I feel like if it's above Ghostwatch, it's definitely above Babadook. But, but okay, counterpoint. Ghostwatch actually gave children post-traumatic stress. <laughs> oh, sure, bring that hmm. up. Hmm. There are <laughs> medical journals that have documented the phenomena of children being fucking terrified. Because I thought this was real. That's, I, I, am a fan of, uh, I am a fan of torturing children, so... <laughs> uh, so it's definitely to me I think I think Racerhead is better than American Psycho for sure I, I think mm-hmm. it, you know and, and I love American Psycho it's one of my favorite movies but I, I think Racerhead oh absolutely yeah it left yeah. A, a more distinct fingerprint on movies and horror generally so if we're talking about distinct fingerprints though it's Eraserhead versus Bride of Motherfucking Frankenstein right now, that's a cage match is what that is um damn hmm God so damn. here's my argument for bride of frankenstein uh frankenstein is mm-hmm. inherently burned into our cultural conscience you know who frankenstein mm-hmm. is without ever seeing a frankenstein movie true eraser head is the t-shirt you see pretentious people at coffee shops wearing <laughs> yeah the t-shirt i'm wearing right now. oh there we go yeah it's it's, it's a t-shirt it's a t-shirt i've got in my, it's a t-shirt i'm looking at in my closet no right but now for real as soon as i hang up from this call i'm gonna get on ebay and try to find or etsy and see if i can find a really cheap uh eraserhead tank top dude eraserhead tank top copyright 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 <laughs> if someone has not done that already because that'd be cool as shit I mean, listen, I've already got a Joy Division Well, if we ever shirt, meet up you know, in person, like, we'll all wear our yeah. Eraserhead tank tops. So yes. Ryan uh, Boyd Like a bunch of weird art house kids about, about to go work out somewhere. Um, 
maybe doing uh, live meetups at like screenings in the the large towns that both of us live in so like having rank and vile south and rank and vile west and like doing mini cons um <laughs> let us know if you'd be interested in that uh or let us know if you think that would get real weird uh our we'll tell you the twitter address at the end <laughs> but if you're listening to this like me um do you guys do this do you listen to podcasts and like want to live tweet the podcast to the podcast hosts or is that just like me and not having social bounds oh all the time yeah Oh, yeah. I, I think we're also very concerned with, like, you know, I don't want to put anybody out. You know, we thought it might be a nice thing to do. Um, <laughs> which also, with, with, with horror fans generally, I think... And, and here's, here's the crux of the biscuit. When you're really, really into a thing like horror or pro wrestling, you've really got to find your specific tribe of fans of this thing, because I've, I've, I've been to horror, like, conventions, and I, I go to Horror Trivia Night in L.A., and... I think they're, I mean, it's kind of Sturgeon's law, like, uh, 90% of horror, is, horror fans are crap, but 90% of anything is crap. Um, I think you just gotta find your specific breed of hobgoblin to, to hang out with and talk about horror with. Let me tell right. you, I got shook as shit, um, almost as bad as watching Hostage to the Devil, because uh, I went to <laughs> Righteous Jesse's wrestling match and mm-hmm. was uh, live... Um, snapping it on um instagram and someone added me and said you're standing right next to me yeah and like phone the fuck up and like stopped because i was like i don't know if i'm ready to to talk to this person oh no but they never like walked up to me they just literally commented like i think you're next to me and then that was it yeah don't so what's up dude um Catch me at the next uh, Subgrap show, and we'll you know share a, a taco or something. We'll talk about <laughs> yep. awkwardly, or maybe not. Keep. keep what, was it the devil? Yeah. Was it the devil? It might have been the goddamn devil. It was. Was his handle at the devil? <laughs> <laughs> the devil who uses Instagram. So today I reread. Uh, it's the devil's app. Young Goodman Brown <laughs> by uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Oh. Nice. Yeah. I hate Hawthorne. I think he's a pretentious asshole, but that story sure. is good as shit. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about a lot of authors. It's like, ah, fuck them. But also this one specific story is really good. Yes. One specific story. So, goddammit, where does Eraserhead go on this list above or below uh, Bride of Frankenstein? I'd be cool with it uh, above American Psycho and below mm-hmm. Frankenstein. Yeah, I don't... Can you hear him, Ryan? So, real talk, um, the Bye Bye Man is uh, based off of a, a, a book. Like, it's a it's an urban legend. Like, guy wrote a paranormal investigation book and was like, no, this is real. Like, have you heard about this? Well, I saw, I saw in the credits, uh, I think they list the story on the credits, something about a body, the bridges, I don't know. Um... But yeah, I've I didn't go into it any further than that. Well, I actually checked it out from the library and read it. I had to take it back because uh, the guy that borrowed it before me—I assume it was a guy—must uh, have been a chain smoker because it smelled like an ashtray. You know how books uh, from like a smoker's house just smell like cigarette smoke. Uh-huh. So like I couldn't read it; it smelled so bad. But like I started reading the beginning, and apparently it's like like any other urban legend, this demon comes out comes along because someone was fucking with a Ouija board. Which again, I don't understand why, even if there was a chance of this happening, you would buy a Ouija board. But like, yeah, the Bye Bye Man, according to this book, is the for real deal. And it was called it was called the Bye Bye Man in the story. Yes. Yeah. By My Man is actually what it's called, which is so fucking stupid. I hate it. Oh, yeah, we all do. If you're just yeah, tuning into the podcast, uh, my co-host Ryan is back on the call. Hey, sorry about that. That was, um, for some reason, it's saying that I'm in three concurrent calls at the same time, so that's fascinating. Um, but oh. I'm led to believe upon coming back into the call that we are now talking about the Bye Bye Man. No, we just jumped into oh. that because we said you got got by the the bye bye man. 
<laughs> because you've been thinking about it this entire time. You're exactly right. That that's that's the classic mistake. Just don't constantly think about the movie The Bye Bye Man. <laughs> it's really hard not to because I've been walking around thinking about how that dog just looks like that sketchy. Um, <laughs> you know, at the uh, the gas station, how they have those. They're not hot dogs and they're not sausages, but they're the other meats. On oh my the god! Spinner. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. what the Bible oh, means. You know that's like the first time they like pokes his head out of a, the door. I was like, oh my god, is that a worm or is that a hot dog? <laughs> no, it's god, a rock. Just what I'm constantly asking. You are completely, you are completely right. <laughs> oh my god. So wait, so look, uh, I'm did we decide where we uh, were uh, ranking? Head as number six, and we're moving on to the Bye Bye Man because <laughs> clearly that's our discussion right now. Absolutely, that's so. Um, there is a, a scene in the Bye Bye Man that I have been thinking about since I watched this movie. Um, which, first of all, obviously, this movie might be one of the worst movies I've ever had the pleasure to see. It's a oh, it's absolutely the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh yeah, oh it is a dog shit dildo of a movie. It is un, <laughs> it is, it is untenable. It we we are all worse for having produced this movie. But um, there's a moment in this that I love, which is, um, first of all, it's uh, a kind of a shoebox diorama of every horror movie cliche nailed horribly together. Um, and there's there's a moment in this where uh, the young guy. Um, in his dead Kennedy's jacket, has gone to this the widow of this guy killed uh, by the Bye Bye Man, or who kills himself so that he doesn't get killed by the... Not important. Uh, the important thing is that it's Faye Dunaway, and she's, you know, living alone like a, like a sad widow. And there's a bit where dead Kennedy's kid just starts uh, expositioning all over the place where he's like, I'm just going to stop believing in the Bye Bye Man, and that way I'll take away its power. <laughs> And she stands up and makes no expression because Faye Dunaway is too good for this shit. And she just exclaims, how did you figure this out? But my Harold never did. And then right at that moment, she bursts into flames from the fireplace because she jabs a red hot poker into it. And that's the scene. I'm going to take away his power. What? No, it can't be. And then fire. That story, that, oh, that beat is possibly one of the most exquisite pieces of horseshit I have ever had the pleasure to see in a movie. The only thing I liked about this movie was the um, the fact that they stole that shot from Ghostwatch where there just happens to be a pointed bathrobe on the back of the door and it fills with the bye-bye man and he comes after them. Um, because who doesn't also, keep a pointed oh robe they, in their room? Yeah. They milked that robe so much in that movie. I loved it too. <laughs> and also, and now also the... the fact that they couldn't pay for the practical effects to shoot a shotgun through a a, plot, a um, hollow core door, <laughs> so they had to CG it. Dude, they got what? Carrie Ann Moss for this. They got Faye Dunaway. How? <laughs> Wait, the shit? who is Carrie Ann Moss? I don't remember Carrie Ann Moss in it. Oh. She was a cop, the lieutenant. Yeah, oh, Kieran yeah, Moss she... is not doing as well as I thought she would. <laughs> oh, no, she's... Uh, she brings a level of prestige uh, to the Bye Bye Man. Oh, yeah, a certain, level of, a certain level of gravitas for the Bye Bye Man. <laughs> I, I always think of um, that, that scene from A Christmas Story where the, the dad says, what brought you to this lowly state? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, uh, I was... Wondering, have you ever considered going by the Rye Rye Man? How come we didn't do, how come we didn't do that in this podcast? <laughs> oh my god, I'm changing, I'm changing my Twitter handle as we as we speak. That thank, God bless you for that. I am now the Rye I'm Rye crying. Man. I'm crying. Okay. Oh my god, that just makes me think of like my dad is the only person in the world who is allowed to call me Rye Guy. Um. <laughs> He has called me Rye Guy since I was a fetus. And so, I, I'm i sorry, Dad. I'm the Rye Rye Man now. And so, Rye Rye You've man, grown from Rye Guy to Rye Rye Man. It's like, a, it's like a Pokemon evolution. Can I be real on the mic? Oh, please. Drop some bombs on the mic. Rye Guy is my bye-bye man? Because you've told me that. Like, when we first moved in together as college roommates, you're like, yeah, I don't really like it when people call me Rye Guy because that's like a me and my dad thing. 
So that's been oh. my bye-bye man. Our entire friendship is my my inner monologue is don't think it, don't, don't think say it, it don't, don't say think it. it, don't say it, don't think it. It's amazing. Hey Ryan. And, and the problem is that if you start thinking you're saying it too much, I it'll just be me going like, oh, I don't give a shit. That's fine. <laughs> and and, and that's, okay, that's so, the climax of the movie. It's like, oh yeah, my dad my dad calls me. I I would prefer you didn't, but really, I'm I'm not gonna get too upset about it. So the Bye Bye Man is the Brutus, uh, beef Brutus the Barber Beefcake, or the Coco Beware of horror movie villains. It's just like <laughs> I'm gonna need you to justify that. Okay, it's a lot of random gimmicks thrown together to the point where if you're an outsider, you're like, but why though? Oh yeah, like why is he a combination right. stripper barber? Yeah, so like. What's really hard in getting into wrestling in 2016 is Wikipedia does not explain Coco Beware at all. <laughs> it's just, bird. yeah, he's a guy in crazy yellow outfit who's friends with a parrot. It's like, <laughs> but why does he sing the Piledriver song? But why does he have wraparound shades? But why does he have white gloves and a parrot? And the internet's like, <laughs> you should have been there. Like, yeah, no, just tell me. <laughs> yeah, and with Bye Bye Man, it's like trying to combine like Nightmare on Elm Street with a bunch of stuff. And my, my, my problem with this, if I put my butt in the seat for the Bye Bye Man, I want some goddamn Bye Bye Man. He is in this movie for maybe five total minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. So like, is he a devil or a vampire or a ghost or a busker who like met a untimely end on a train and he and his hot dog roam the <laughs> abandoned party houses like what is his deal the coco beware of horror movies <laughs> well the thing i think there was like some sort of backstory that got maybe got edited out and maybe that's the only way that i can rationalize the coins yeah the, the dog, coins like the what dog. the fuck is up with that? the dog i i have this like intuition that the coins somehow covered the eyes of the uh the victims of the dog because the dog's always eating out the eyes or whatever and maybe at some point in the script they use the coins as like covering up the eyes i don't know Um, see i figured the coins were on the train tracks because someone was trying to flatten them and that's what derailed the train to kill the bye-bye man who was you know hopping riding the rails in the the cargo cart and the train caught on fire and that burnt up the dog and then he named himself something fucking stupid like the bye-bye man that's the problem is the bye-bye man is a phrase that cannot escape you because it is so insipid it like worms its way in your brain yeah i specifically i keep remembering this one meme that was making the rounds on twitter when this was still being promoted and on billboards which was just the same font, same logo, but with the pee-pee-poo-poo man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the subtitle, say his name. You won't be laughing when he kills you. And I, the entire time watching this, I was thinking about that fucking meme. Uh, so this movie was a dead-on arrival before I ever saw it, for, for me being taking it seriously. But, you know, goddammit, part of me wants to give this movie respect for at least trying to add a new monster to the fucking pantheon. And you know what? Even in the movie, the character says, yeah, I told my friend it was the Bye Bye Man. What a dumb name. I had to share that with them. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I told other people about this stupid-ass monster. (laughs) (laughs) 100%. and, And honestly, like, there is not one legitimate scare in this film. Oh my god, they even fucked up the jump scare. It's like they... Yeah! It's too slow and they show... It's like the headshot of the Bye Bye Man that just kind of appears and then... Yeah, they, they telegraph like, oh. that jump scare. Like, I, I was watching it at work. I didn't even jostle for that. I was just kind of like, oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> cool. So, Bradford, um, you said it's the worst movie you've ever seen. Have you seen Dracula Untold? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I've heard... <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. That I honestly, actually, I don't know if this is better or worse than uh, Dracula Untold. It's actually, uh, you know, I don't know. Dracula Untold's got Dominic Cooper in that really problematic uh, casting. Oh, with the brown face, yeah. 
Yeah. So so yes. is the village yeah, better than the Bye Bye Man? Because yes. the village made yes. me feel something, and this made me feel nothing. <laughs> I loved getting your updates as you were watching this, by the way, where <laughs> you you were like, "Why are we doing a horror podcast? Why did I? Why was I born?" I didn't ask for any of this. Why am I watching the Bye Bye Man? Okay, and get this. <laughs> I got this from my local library, and I waited six weeks to get this video. <laughs> wow. Jesus. Because they have one copy, and I put it on hold when they ordered it, because the, the catalog updates so you can see what the new purchases have been. So I put it on hold, and I had to wait, and it's a week borrowing period. So six people had this before me. And I finally got it, and I finally got it home and put it in. It's like, oh, this is what I've spent my life anticipating. This is this is it. Nope. <laughs> With your one wild and precious life, you're watching the Bye Bye Man. Exactly, and that's the worst yeah. thing. Is the entire time I was watching it, I was looking. So I've set up my living room where my chair is. Uh, my daddy chair is right in front of the TV. And right caddy cornered across from the DVD shelf. So, like, oh, I can see chair. the DVD shelf and the TV from my daddy chair. And I was looking at all the better movies I could have been watching the whole time <laughs> I was watching the Batman. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, so did you watch the uh, PG 13 version or uh, the unrated? Oh, shit. Oh, I don't know. Oh, shit. There's an unrated? <laughs> I didn't know there was multiple versions. <laughs> So I rented the uh, the unrated version from iTunes, and oh, there's no, blood in it, but you can this? definitely tell that it was like, like the shotgun blast, like, uh, have these the CG blood that doesn't track well with the victims when they get shot, <laughs> and it's just like this floating piece of blood that sprays out. Oh my god! It's amazing. I I do have to say a, another gem of the movie was that. Um, the girl who does the seance, who, like, the, the character, the baseball player kid says, she wears a hat indoors. Don't trust girls who wear hats indoors. <laughs> what an odd parameter, by the way. You know what they say about girls with hats indoors? You don't trust them. They're very rude. You know, it's a different time. <laughs> it's it's true. It's, it's, it's just not done. The, the ending of The Bye Bye Man is also complete garbage, where it's a total fake-out sort of... Yeah, and now the nightmare's all over, and then somebody finds a scrap of paper with his fucking name on it. And the, and the guy on the gurney says, the b b b the b b b b b i man. You know, there's one thing that could have saved this and made me love this movie. It would be a tie-in rap about the Bye Bye Man. Man, a tie-in oh, rap would have been A+. plus. Like smoking weed and getting high, high now. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. You know, thank you, everybody. I am out of here. Bye, bye, rap. Bye, bye, rap. I, I kind of bye, bye, rye man. The rye, rye, yeah, the the high rye man. I oh god, no, no, oh god, don't think it. Don't, don't that wait. Should have done it. Like she's a um, she's a rapper. Right there. Oh my god, you're right. My god. I, mostly I'm just picturing the, the beat and the bass line from the Maniac Cop rap with just about the bye-bye man. Um, and, like, my, my, my complaint about many horror movies is that there is an Italian rap, but, I mean, this this was garbage that... I, that would have been at least a curio that you'd kind of, all right, so check out this fucking Italian rap from the bye-bye man. And you, you would at least have that. So, look. Um, Faces <laughs> of Death is number 68. Would you watch Faces mm. of Death or this movie again? Mm. What do you think? You know, I actually did watch certain parts of this movie twice. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not proud. Um, just, ah, it's so in- inept that it was like a a marvel to behold. Kind of mm-hmm. like... Uh, I agree, and actually... Yeah, I don't think I would watch Faces of Death twice. So... Kind of a Bud the Chud charming, would you say? Now, Bud the Chud kind of knew it was garbage in a way that I don't think the Bye Bye Man did. And actually, honestly, if I'm if I'm if I'm being truthful here, I would rather watch the Bye Bye Man than Two Headed Shark Attack again. <laughs> Damn, because... then it's like scrolled like way up. It's it's on its rocket. Oh. No, the thing is, it's terrible, but it's almost a masterclass in ineptitude. Like they made every wrong call with this movie that they could have possibly made. So listen, made. Um, 
Two-Headed right. Shark Attack is a rough watch, but right under Two-Headed Shark Attack is the Island of Dr. Moreau, which is the OG masterclass in what the fuck is going on in this movie. I It's in God's hands now, whether the Island of Dr. Moreau is, is better than the Bye Bye Man. So the Island of Dr. Moreau is better than the Bye Bye Man. So that's our ceiling. What's our floor? Innsmouth's better than the Bye Bye Man, right? Yeah, for sure it's better than the Bye Bye Man. I, I think the floor for me is thinner. This movie is absolutely not as bad as thinner. What about the color out of space? I would rather, honestly, Friday night, I would, Friday night test, I would rather watch The Bye Bye Man. I No, here's the thing. This is a movie I would rather get a bunch of people who have never seen it before and get them in a room and make them watch The Bye Bye Man with me. Get some five-layer dip, you know, get some hot dogs <laughs> and and eat those hot dogs. Burn those hot dogs so it looks like the dog. And get them eating those hot dogs while wondering why this dog looks like a burnt hot dog. And, and that's the my clipping of the CGI is so bad too. <laughs> oh shit! Oh my god! It's yeah. So and now, and actually, the opening sequence of the Bye Bye Man is kind of dope, actually. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that's pretty effective and pretty, you know, kind of terrifying. Yeah, like Norman Norman Rockwell dad has a shotgun going house to house killing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I, that was that was pretty great, and it lulls you into thinking that maybe this movie won't be hot garbage, and in that way, the Bye Bye Man has already won because he's got you in the door. <laughs> so I'm sorry I keep saying the Bye Bye Man over and over again, but it's just so much goddamn fun to say. So can we agree fun. that I'm having it a great time saying it goes <laughs> beneath Innsmouth? Like Innsmouth is a better movie, even though it's only well, you know why Innsmouth is a better movie? It's only ten minutes. <laughs> yes it it is it is a trim 10 minutes it, it's not fucking around okay then so i think we're safe to put uh bye bye man between innsmouth and better than the color out of space uh so that puts it at number yeah. 61 which is not wow strong <laughs> show bye bye man yeah, well, I... the more we talk about it the more it becomes like endearing to me kind of like uh bud the chud it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. that you know anytime you want to be an asshole to your friends and say let's watch bud the chud and they're like no so the new one is let's watch <laughs> man and this is poised to make it on the dvd 395 bin at walmart very soon oh 100 and i think honestly this is going to probably take on a life of its own as being one of the worst horror movies ever like it's i, I feel like people will still be talking about the bye-bye man in 10 years in a way that they won't with like two-headed shark yeah. attack well, I think it's ripe for uh, uh, fan fiction, at least. Like, we were kind of, like, digging into the backstory of the Bye Bye Man on this yeah. podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure the the history of that is and rich. And all that meme shit. What, like... if, what if it gains a second life for fan fiction where, like, people create a rich fucking extended universe for this that the movie could never match up to? <laughs> uh, well, it started here. <laughs> so, so exactly. listen, we are out of time but I don't feel like we can end this podcast on a clean conscience without acknowledging that you watched all three hours of Inland Empire. Holy shit. Um, no regrets. <laughs> Good man. Good man. Bless your heart. I just, I couldn't do it. Boy, I literally I hate was it. like, I, I can't. I hate it. I you, know, you know, I will say that it's probably, I don't know if it belongs on this list, uh, but it's probably the scariest Lynch movie, I think. And I think maybe that's just like a cumulative effect of three hours of sitting and watching it dread. Just like dread on the screen. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it is It is unrelenting and it's for three hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it just like, it looks like shit. I mean, the, <laughs> it's such yeah, a no. garbage looking movie. There's, so, there's a lot of great parts of it. And it's like, hey, you heard about this digital filmmaking? Uh kind of aspect and it's just like everything looks flat and muted and uh i don't know if that adds to the charm i quote unquote charm but uh right um but in a way i kind of love it so definitely yeah i don't know well and, and also i mean that it, i it, it immediately made me think of that if you youtube david lynch iphone with him going on that 30 second rant about like <laughs> people watching movies on their fucking iphones get real <laughs> And that's that's how I felt about watching this movie and the way that it was shot. Right. So did have you guys finished it? Did yeah. you guys? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I finished it. I watched about 
20 minutes and said, this looks like garbage. Surely Ryan has seen it. Uh, so I'm going to take a, take a backseat on this one. You were correct. Sorry. I, well, there is this, I, I guess, like the unforgettable like face of Laura Dern at the end. That's just like so terrifying that, and you've been ramped up for it for like three hours, and your like nerves are on end. And then when it comes, you just like, I it's the closest I've got to screaming at a movie, like the first time I saw it. Yeah. Um, so I think if you had the metal, I would highly recommend it, and I do think it's like a super interesting part of David Lynch's, uh, you know, his canon, and it's probably uh the most unabashed. Like he he had no sort of obstacles or gatekeepers to work work to work through, mm-hmm. um, so in that sense, it's a very interesting movie and kind of like he continues the gender dynamics of Mulholland Drive, which is like pretty uh, fascinating to me. But probably for another podcast, yeah, we'll definitely have to to come really back because I'm that. also a huge fan of the Laura Dern cryface. Like um, that's something. I oh would, yeah. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Laura Dern and everything, and and everything to do with yeah. Laura Dern. So, Mr. Bradford, where can our listeners find you online? Oh man, you can find me at Twitter. I like to hang out on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, the handle is theryanbradford.com because I share the name with the kid who played the uh, boy in black <laughs> in the fi- second to last episode of Lost, and like it's. I, he he doesn't think this is a competition, but I'm always in com- competition with him to get more followers, and he's winning by far. <laughs> Damn him. Uh, we yeah. are also on Twitter, at Rank and Vilecast, and we have an Instagram, at Rank and Vile. That's right, we landed Rank and Vile on Instagram. What's up? Uh, so if you want to yeah, see did. some really gross pictures and some really uh, funny-ish... Is it okay to call your own tweets funny? Um, I don't know. Anyway, check us out on the internet. We're pretty active. Um, if you want to take a look at the list that we keep talking about, our listener Dustin, who's a super great dude, has made a letterboxed list that has links to all the movies. I think Letterboxd even lets you know where you can watch them. Uh, that's on our that's linked on our Tumblr, uh, which is rankandvilecast.tumblr.com as well as a shit ton of really gross gifts. So heads up if you uh, don't like gore, turn your Tumblr saver on. Uh, But other than that, you can find that list there. Uh, If you have a movie that you think should be on this list, whether you're a filmmaker and you want us to check out your movie, if you're a listener and you say, I can't believe you nerds aren't talking about blank greatest movie of all time, uh, email it to us. We're rank and vilecast at gmail.com and if you are interested in advertising with us too we are interested in talking to you so shoot us an email um rye rye you got anything else you want to say rye rye man uh, the rye rye man has don't no think it comment. don't say it y'all <laughs> have a good week <laughs> don't think it or google it <laughs> yeah, was that one of the rules yeah like don't, don't, tweet, don't tweet me because he did <laughs> alright bye guys bye.